You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith, and this is another podcast recorded live at this year's Edinburgh Festival at the Gilded Balloon. This is a fascinating chat with Josh Widdicombe. Hello. Hi. Hello, Josh. I remembered to stay standing up that time until you oh, came on. It's kind of good, 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 good host manners. Oh, um, so, Terrible microphone technique to start. Yeah, <laughs> shocking. So um, we've got absolutely oh. loads to talk about. You and I know each other quite well, and yes. we've I've we've seen each other gig a lot. I've seen your work a lot, mm. um, and uh, I remember when you did uh, show me the f- well, no show. Uh, so you so think you're funny. funny. Which year was that? When did you do that? 2008. 2008. I, 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 it was quite a good final. I got I lost in the final, but um, I mean I'm, I'm loath to use the phrase vintage year. But um, <laughs> <laughs> go on. Who was it? Who was it? Um, the final was uh, me, Pasco, Sarah Pasco, Sean yep. Walsh, Doc Brown, Daniel Sloss, and Daniel Simonson won. And there'd have been some other people whose yeah. name escapes me. Yeah. And Those Rona, people will be listening Rona, to this Rona on Cameron podcast and grinding who, their teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rona Cameron, who had a horrible evening. She hosted. It's uh, the, Traditionally, the person that hosts uh, the final of So You Think You're Funny has a really horrible time, because normally they get, <laughs> they get a name, uh, they get a famous comedian to, mm. to come and do it who doesn't really host anymore, and yeah. they've got to do one of the hardest jobs in comparing, which is like do tiny sections in between very short seven-minute sets. Yeah, I've seen was, Ardlo Hammond do it. And it was quite weird, because she was having to be comforted by her girlfriend. While we were going through what we thought was the biggest gig of our life, and what obviously yeah. turns out later doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember afterwards you actually came up to me and asked me for advice. Did on I? Being a comedian. Well, yes. I don't know if you. Do you know the first gig I did with you? Which one was um, that? Was I did a support slot on. Um, a kiosk of champions preview in the old coffee house in Soho. Ah, oh, I remember it. I remember it. it. Kiosk of champions was my old double act. Yeah, it was me and Holly Walsh. Yeah, and um, I thought once again, I thought I was what had I been going about four or five months? I thought this is a big deal, <laughs> mainly because I was quite quite intimidated by Holly Walsh. I think. Yes. Well, Holly Walsh is more so, she's sort of my year at school, isn't she? We did, yeah. we did the, the competitions. It's easy to think because of the competitions and the way they work in, in stand-up comedy that you, the people you, who do all the, the big competitions with you that year mm. or year after is oh, kind of yeah. your gang. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, my gang is, what, Acaster, Helm? Yes. Kumar. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. So, uh, so tell us about your show. I've not seen your show this year. I um, think we clash. I can't actually see no, it. It's fine. So, just by no, way of introduction fine. to to the few people that's, here who that's won't have totally fine. <laughs> uh, uh, 
it's it's basically an hour of, well, 50 minutes, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Um, <laughs> which I think is too long anyway, but that's another debate. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Edinburgh shows are too long, but um, what would be well? We let's let's, let's forty jump on minutes. That. Forty minutes. It's a, it's a, that's a long stand-up set, isn't it? Why not I, I I've never been in an Edinburgh show where I haven't checked my watch. Yeah, and I've never been in an Edinburgh show where at the end I haven't thought, "Thank fuck that is over," <laughs> and that's no reflection on any of the Edinburgh shows. Sure, like the best things I've seen, like um, the mince pie one, the Rod yes. did. Um, that's it's still you're going. This is too long for me to sit yes. and, and watch. Josh is a young person. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, so you're so this this year it's called the Further uh, Adventures. Yeah, um, which is uh, a generic choice of title because a, it isn't about anything. It's a good move to do a generic title that you're then in the writing of the show completely free to do whatever you want. Yeah, because essentially I'm not writing a show. Um, I'm writing stand up. And then I'll have 50 minutes of stand-up and I will make that into a show. But it's, um, it's not a show in the Edinburgh sense. It's a 50-minute it's set. Yes. Uh, which is uh, what I do. I, and it's kind of, you know, it's uh, when I used to watch... I, when I was a kid, I had the Frank Skinner um, live in Birmingham video mm-hmm. that I used to watch again and again till it did that thing where... Um, Oh, it goes all fuzzy and fades yeah, out. Yeah. Like most people um, did that with porn, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks. Um, but um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, it's just a long set. I like, I'm happy uh, I, just to do a set like, a, a, you know, that's, that's all I can really do is stand up. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I haven't got anything to say. Okay. So there's no, you, you've never written to a theme? No. You, so how do you start finding material from scratch. Like, with my show this year, I thought I want to do a show about selfishness, and I started writing things about selfishness. That's a good way to do it. Well, Um, it was very hard and painful and difficult, and maybe it isn't a good way to do it. But so, so how do you, how do you stumble upon a starting point? Um, Well, for a start, I'll I'll write throughout the year, from September, Mm -hmm. um, and just try and, I'll I'll get an idea, so, um, or think of a, it's quite a good way is just to think of a topic um, mm-hmm. that hasn't been touched on and think, yeah. is there anything to say about that? Um, very hard to find topics that haven't been touched on. Yeah. Very hard to know whether a topic that you've thought hasn't been touched on and that you've been beavering away with mm. hasn't been done on someone's... Do- Steve Bennett is always very keen to point out, well, of course, Emo Phillips covered this extensively 15 years ago. Yes. And- D- is he? Um, well, that's worrying. Um, <laughs> uh, I, you get a topic, often... The, the the material I start what the topic I start with won't be what it is yes, at the end. Okay. So, for instance, say in this year's show, there is a bit about um, board games. Okay. So that started because uh, I thought about board when you go into a pub and they've got board games, and mm-hmm. I thought it's kind of it's just a weird juxtaposition. So there's probably something in that, and then you start to write about it, and then you, I think. What I regretted a bit from the last year's show mm-hmm. was um, once you've done a topic, um, you can't go back to it. There's no, there's, I'm not going to waste my time improving bits that are in last year's show. Yes, um, okay. So it, it does that, so doesn't you, it? Edinburgh sort of ruins material, doesn't it, by going, that's finished now, you've done yeah, it. I, yeah, I, I've, I've only got so much time, I'm not going to go and do the... For instance, there's a good example is there's a bit I've got about two pee-pushing machines on piers. Yes. And it's got a 
tiny bit, a couple of other bits about the dance machines you get in arcades and um, mm -hmm. those racing, plastic horse racing that you bet yeah. on. And that's probably the best bit I had in last year's show. Um, and I was walking around an arcade in September thinking, there's so much more yeah. I could say about this, but there's no point now. Yeah, you and don't want to be the arcade guy who <laughs> yeah. comes back in 2012 well, yeah. with even more stuff. Uh, yeah, so, I, so for instance, this year, the board games thing, um, I've just like, right, get everything I can about board games because this is the one chance to do a bit on board games. Okay. And so just trying to amass it and make it bigger and bigger. Because I like bits where I really like it when a comedian will rinse a topic. Um, like Seinfeld's excellent at that. Like, he's got that bit about Halloween, and it's just... It's everything you want to say about Halloween. Yes. Um, you get the impression that the, the 20 jokes you're hearing are the best 20 of a 1,000 yeah, jokes that he wrote yeah. about Halloween. And so it's just topics, really. Get the topic, and then... And that topic can come from either one observation, and you think, well, I've got a joke on that, so I might as well write around that. So, for instance... Um, oh, God... Uh, for the benefit of the listener, it's quite early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for instance, um, I've got a bit about... Um, this is a good example. I've got a bit about Cocoa Pops, right? And so you go, well, I've got this joke about... I don't know if you've had the situation where a cash point offers, asked me if I wanted Cocoa Pops. So I thought, I'll start writing about that. And then you think, well, I can write about other things. There. So I've got, I can write about variety packs. I can write about... yes. Uh, breakfast buffet, other stuff that is related to that comes off it and you, it can just be one joke that you start with mm -hmm. and then you go, well, I might as well mine this area. Yes, because you've got that joke. Yeah, and often that joke will then not end up in the bit. Okay. Do you find, I sometimes find when I'm writing stuff, if I get a punchline that I know is funny enough that I can, I, it can buy me out of a bit of dicking around... I can kind of, I've got that punchline, mm. so I'll, I can put, do you put the, the, the newer stuff to add to it? Do you put that before you get to that punchline because it'll save um, you if it doesn't work? Or do you put it well, after? When I'm and trying the, the stuff out, yeah. um, I will, well, if I've got a bit of the nose, I know works. No, do you know what? I'll tend to do it in the other way because okay. um, if I'm trying something out, I don't, I do obviously care if I fuck the gig, but um, if... I'll start with the stronger stuff and then I'll bolt the other stuff on and attempt to keep doing that until I just have completely fucked the bit up. And then, okay. and then I, but that's how I find it. And then it's just slowly making it bigger and making it bigger. Sure. And um, I'm not very good at remembering stuff. So that often, it'll often take me three gigs to try all the bits because okay. if someone like James Acaster will he's very good at um, nailing of delivering new stuff as if it's old. Yes, I, I'm not yes, very good is. at that. Yeah, okay. I will, de I will almost always deliver it too fast, um, which is a... Because you're nervous, because you don't know where the laughs are. Mm -hmm. So you'll speed through it, and it will slow down as you get more confident with it. Yes. Yes, that's... Uh, I, I think I've heard that secondhand from Al Murray. I'm sure someone said, Al Murray's thing is always slow down. However slow you're going, mm. slow down. But it's, it's, it's almost impossible to. Yeah, yeah. I think. 
So this is Josh Widdicombe. Uh, as I said, this one's obviously recorded live in Edinburgh uh, and also features later on uh, the vocal talents of Mr Nish Kumar. Um, Josh is an incredible act. He has an enviable talent and he's also found his voice very early on in his career, I think. Uh, we'll be talking about his work ethic. Uh, we'll be talking about the relationship between himself, his self and his persona, and the nature of character and the change in that character that the circuit affords you or sometimes doesn't. Uh, we'll be talking about the struggle for originality in a world, uh, the world of observational comedy, where sometimes it can seem like everything's already been said. Uh, and we'll be talking about how it can help or sometimes not uh, if somebody can do an impression of you. So uh, lots of stuff to get through here. Uh, and of course, there'll be some thoughts on coping with it all. Um, this is this is one of my all time favourite episodes, to be honest. Uh, Josh is so articulate. And he really cares about his comedy. He's a real thinker, but he manages not to be overwrought, as can happen to a lot of thinkers. He seems a very functional person, a uh, very functional comedian, if such a thing exists. So, um, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. I, I really enjoyed this uh, this interview. Um, shall I keep knocking these out weekly? Is it too much? I don't want to drown you. I quite liked before when you had to wait two weeks to get the next one. Um, email me and let me know. It's info at comedianscomedian.com. I'm just sort of making this up as I go along. So if you've got strong feelings either way, um, do say so. I sort of don't want to get to a stage where you don't get round to listening to them because there's, you know, there's, there's too many available. Um, if that's a thing that happens, is that maybe that's just a thing that uh, that happens to me. My own gig list is now up and running. If you'd like to come and see me do some stand-up, uh, you can go to www.stuartgoldsmith.co.uk and follow the link to the gig diary. Uh, although I am very pleased to pronounce, to pronounce, I'm very pleased to announce that I am going to Australia and New Zealand next year. I'm very lucky to be going to the uh, Adelaide, Melbourne and New Zealand comedy festivals. Um, so if you have any recommendations of other shows that you know are going to be there or things I should do while I'm out there, do do tell me. If you could recommend uh, particularly Australian or New Zealandish acts or any international acts that are going to be at those festivals that you'd particularly like to hear from, I shall be out there with my trusty hand recorder. And uh, so get your, get your... I'll start writing a list from now, so get your recommendations in for that. Um, of course, comedianscomedian.com backslash new hack is up and running. Uh, here are some of my current favourites. Um... Uh, that's a thing, right? <laughs> Someone called Clark uh, sent that in. Um, and I think I might have said something similar to that <laughs> barely seconds ago on this very podcast. Um, the phrase, did you see what I did there? Uh, the fra that's from Nigel Lovell, as is, um, yes, I'm going there, slash, yes, I went there. Um, uh, and this is something, okay, Alan Fletcher spotted this when he submitted it. This is something I've definitely done in the past and, and spotted and tried to get rid of. Uh, but using a deliberate innuendo in a story followed by, not like that, you perverts, you made it dirty, not me, brackets, chuckles as if to say, what am I like? There's an awful lot of that around. Um, any reference to living the dream? That's Brian Kant has apparently sent that one in. I wonder if that's the real Brian Kant or simply a real Brian Kant. Um, Alex Perry has also suggested this is happening, which he points out is one of several lines regularly borrowed from Nick Helm. It's a very good point. Nick has a certain sort of energy and a particular attack, a particular approach to it that I think is going to see him imitated uh, to a Kitson-esque level. Um, so I, I think a lot of these... I've always thought that boom and strap in originated with Kitson, but uh, perhaps you could email in and prove me wrong. Uh, it's info at comedianscomedian.com. Uh, and by now, I, all the links to all of my guests will be up on the blog, which is comedianscomedian.com backslash blog. So if you're looking for video footage or the website or the Facebook page of someone that I've had on the show, those should all be up there by now. 
Um, I've made a little video ad for the show to submit to blogs and advertise the show around the place, uh, try and get people in, for example, America interested. Uh, it features interviews with Eddie Pepitone, Josh and uh, Hannibal Burris. It's just a little uh, a minute-long thing. Um, so if you know of any other comedy publications I should be submitting it to, do give me a shout. Uh, send us an email. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at ComComPod and you can link to the Facebook page from ComediansComedian.com. So there's all manner of stuff. Whatever your particular social media addiction, you can find out things. And I, I try to put up little special things up there from time to time, make it worthwhile. Finally, the beeps at the end. Uh, we do a question-answer session with Josh at the end of this show and the little beeps that I've put in there are just where I've replaced inaudible questions just so we're not sort of sat listening to minutes of silence while people uh, get their points across. So that is all the stuff I have to tell you for now. I, I hope you enjoy the rest of this one. As I said, I've really enjoyed doing it, and uh, I'm off now to uh, to go and interview the guest for next week, which is going to be Addie van der Borg. So uh, can't wait for that. Here's Josh. So where were we? In the, so in the making of, of this show, you started off with some topics. So which, which, what were your starting points that have become the most successful bits of this There's show? There's a bit about board games. That's yeah. a successful bit. There's a bit... Um, so that Coca Pops thing, that's the first 10 minutes really now. Sure, okay. And what will, the other thing that will often happen is you'll have other little ideas that maybe don't work in their own right that mm. well. So, for instance, I've got a bit about... Um, I mean, this sounds dreadful, out of context. Um, <laughs> That's what we're so, here for. <laughs> so I've got, I've got a bit about chemists selling tights. Okay. Issues. And, <laughs> and it never really worked, because it would just be, what, what's that really in there for? But then, on the Coca Pops thing, you've got that thing about, that's a cash point offering you Coca Pops, that's a business um, broadening out to do something that it shouldn't do. And... If you do the chemist bit off that, it suddenly makes it all the more stronger because it's, it's, it's part of it then. Okay. Um, does that make sense? So, Not really. the, so if you get... You, often you get so bits, this, floating this thing, bits. I'm, slow, I'm struggling very slightly mm. with a cash point offering Sorry, you Coco yeah. how, how on earth is that possible? I, think I, I, was, I, was, I was at a cash point the and I got a question on the cash point saying, are you considering buying Coco Pops today? With the options in what city no. were you standing when this happened? Uh, London town. Really? And, um, okay. Yeah, and... Uh, so that so it's absurd, sure. Obviously, so sure. you, so there's a whole bit off that and jokes about that, and then it's one of the key things you can do is it's like yes, of course. And that when you go into the chemist bit off it, the chemist bit that wasn't actually that strong suddenly becomes really strong because it looks like a, it's got a reason for existing. Yes, and it makes the initial jokes look like a casual setup. For yeah, the thing yeah, you're exactly. actually going to yeah, talk about. Yeah, yeah. So you. you it, the t two weaker bits can together be stronger than the sum of their parts. Mm -hmm. um, I do um, both years with Edinburgh. I've kind of um, had worked with John Gordillo on just he's come to watch the show and talk okay. to me about it, and he's he's amazing. He's but he's really good at um, a lot of stuff. It, the strength is how you go into it. Mm -hmm. So people need you have to have a. Um, I mean, there's obviously my stuff is frivolous and there's no there's no emotion mm -hmm. really, but you do have to have that emotional core yeah. of why are you talking about this? There has to be a reason. You you are very strong on attitude, yeah, aren't you? That's I mean, you have that kind of 
I, I think I could see a thing in life and I, I would know how the persona of Josh Widdicombe feels about that thing. Yeah, and so that, that's a really do strong... you know what? That's, that's luck that I worked out that I've ended up doing that. Mm. But um, I think that's actually one of the, the strong things that I've managed to do somehow. Mm-hmm. Fluke more than anything. Okay. Um, and uh, a lot of... A lot of comedians can do a pretty passable impression of me. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. Uh, because, and that's a testament almost. Yeah, how I think that's actually. Yeah, is. I think yeah. that's actually a very good. That's good. That's, yeah. That's one of the. That should be one of the rules that uh, Russell Brand said, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, said that if you want to be a famous comedian, you should have a recognisable silhouette. Yeah. To get really famous. And if you think about it, that works with a lot of famous yeah. people. And it works because that thing then becomes the imprint of that person. And I think in a similar way, if someone can do an impression of you, chances mm. are you're doing it right because you're distinct enough that yeah. you can do it. I think exactly. I'm probably quite difficult to do an well, impression of. I'll tell you, something <laughs> weird that happened is I, um, someone showed me a video, I would obviously not going to say who it is, of a new comic that, okay. that really sounded like me. Wow. And it was really odd. Okay. Um, there is, there's a lot of tradition of doing that. Uh, Jeremy Hardy says that when he started, he was basically a Norman Lovett tribute act. I was a Stuart Lee tribute act when I started. Look right. at me now. Yeah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you now, smiling and giggling away. Yeah, because um, yeah. you, you find what you... Do you know what? Once you find your angle... Yeah. Um, you can... It's kind of like a, a, a machine, isn't it? You go... Um, like a process of, um, you go, here's the subject matter, what would I think of that? Yes. And it's quite, like, if, if you... Uh, I was going to say this. Yes, so this is the yeah. Cambridge thing. Yeah, I, I, Nish, who's here, uh, Nish Kumar. Uh, uh, Nish Kumar, currently on at the Nish? Hello. Where, where, where and where are you on? That was a plug for you. 8.20 at the Daisy Room. 8.20 at the Daisy Room, ladies and gentlemen. Josh. Despe- yeah. Um, we'll edit that one out. Uh, <laughs> um, we went to Cambridge together to do a gig, and Nish was doing an impression of me, as per usual. <laughs> and um, it was quite interesting because we were on a train and we were just, we were both kind of playing a game where we'd talk about any subject as if I was talking about it on stage. Gotcha. Okay. And Nish was going, it's a piece of piss what you do. <laughs> uh, Really could we easy. could we ask Nish to briefly reprise uh, his impression? Yeah, come on, uh, ladies and gentlemen, cameo appearance from Mr. Nish Kumar. Uh, we'd like. Um, I think I think the fairest way to do this would be if there was uh, a suggestion of a topic from the audience, something for something for Nish to do stand up as Josh Widdicombe. Subject matter. The Olympics, the Olympics. It's Josh, we'll come and take a mic. Uh, this is Nish Kumar. Well, can I just say that if any of this is... Uh, I own the copyright to any of this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this impression has been wildly overstated. Uh, into the mic, please. We're recording this forever. This, it, my imp- the quality of my impression of it's, Josh has been you, wildly overstated. Yeah, it's not about the quality. It's about the, the tone that you're going for with the impression. So it doesn't matter if this isn't funny. This is an experiment, not a, not a routine. Th- that's what I say at the beginning of my show as well. <laughs> In fairness. <laughs> so, as, so this is Josh talking about the Olympics. Yeah, the important thing with Josh is that whatever you say, it has to culminate in the use of the phrase, I mean, who is at the Olympics? <laughs> Who is watching the Olympics alone, <laughs> sitting there watching athletes? Who is doing that? 
Mish Kumar, ladies and gentlemen. There we are. <laughs> quite good bit of context there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so he's got he's got you've got a memorable voice and that's that's they, would you say that's true to the josh widdicombe angle yeah i suppose it is yeah, yeah. of course it is because it's um yeah it is and um it's quite weird because obviously uh, it's difficult not to go not to be, i mean i've only done i've only been going a few years so yeah it, i don't know whether you're the difference between comedy and music is um with a band like, for instance, Radiohead, mm -hmm. they consciously reinvent themselves. I mean, now they're rubbish, but they constantly, <laughs> they constantly kind of, um, certainly Kid A, for instance, that is them going, or Blur is it? Blur's probably a better example. They go, yeah. now we're this, now we're this, now we're this. And no one goes, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you're the guys. Pick one. Yeah. yeah. But with comedy, you kind of, are you are kind of, because it's more that you're you are that person. Yes, you are actually. You're that supposed comedian. to be telling the truth. Yeah, you could, and the you truth is yeah, allowed to change. You couldn't have Rod Gilbert come out and do his happy show. <laughs> it wouldn't work at all. Absolutely, so, that's a good point. It, you kind of when you're a comedian, by the time you get locked in to TV, that's who you are. I think. Okay. And um, that's the prod. Want of a better word, that is the product that you're selling is this kind of stand-up, mm -hmm. and. Doing new shows, you, you are doing... A, you're trying to make it better and you're trying to kind of twist it and make it more interesting. But essentially, you're doing what you do. Yes. Because um, that's what people have paid money for. And that I think people have bought into who you are far more than they have with a band. So while a band can reinvent themselves, I don't... Maybe I'm wrong or maybe I'm lacking ambition, but I don't understand really how I would go about changing my persona now yes of course yeah um it can evolve for instance, i saw jack d um in kilkenny a few months ago and jack d is older obviously he <laughs> can't avoid that um but um he's still jack d he's still got to be jack d he can't suddenly go do you know what since the kids have moved out i've got a new perspective on this. <laughs> <laughs> so You've got yeah, to... even if he does have that perspective, even if yeah. even if his persona that he developed thirty years yeah, ago exactly. was true then, and he's changed now. He's a he's actually, I, I I didn't really know him. I met him and spent a bit of time with him over there, and he's he's just a really nice, normal, really normal, nice guy. Yeah, he's not going off crying out loud. What's wrong with this coffee? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, of course. So you you are kind of locked in, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but that's good, because if I go and see Dylan Moran, I want to see Dylan Moran. Yes. I don't want to see... Hey! Yeah, Actually, things are all yeah. right, and I'm stone cold I'll, sober. Yeah, yeah. I want... <laughs> that's, that's part of the yeah. act. I'm not slagging him off there. I'm not having a go. His act is, yeah. he drinks wine throughout. Yeah, yeah. so you, you, that's definitely what you want, isn't it? Because if you had... Um, yeah. You, does, does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. So you were saying oh, about the it's Cambridge also like It's like that thing where you go... You're almost putting my character in different situations and going, how would yes. he react to this? Yes. And it is Absolutely. me. It's not a character I've built up. It's, um, have you read Frank Skinner's autobiography? Yes, I have, yeah. There's that really good bit. I always kind of end up saying this, but um, where he says, it's not that you're not the person on stage. It's you're a version, and it's the version where some things are turned up to 11 and some aspects are yes. turned down to 1. It's a very two-dimensional form. Stand up. You're a two. 
you've got to be quite a two-dimensional character. There's not that much uh, ability to change or any of that, really. Mm. You are a bit... You're a cartoon, essentially. Mm. And then when you're writing the material, you're going, right, so what would happen if in the car in the comic it, strip it, of josh widdicombe walking yeah. into it, it's almost like oh my god now he's in a supermarket yes, how's okay. this gonna play out yes and i mean and i mean i'm done i should write that down but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but you, does that make sense absolutely absolutely uh, it, it resonates as well with a, a thing in clowning which is that in kind of theater clowning as opposed to circus red nose clowning um, but, you know, physical comedy. Clowning is all about... There's a woman called Angela De Castro who teaches clown, a famous clown teacher. Mm. Angela De Castro uses the example of uh, imagining a conference in your head of all of the different aspects of your personality mm. around a conference table, and it's about letting one of them speak. Yeah. And kind of saying, okay, you know, this, the, 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 I, I myself am true in myself, but, like, on stage, I might particularly play to the lascivious me yeah. and the kind of simpering me, and those are the... Because it is, I'm sure... I mean, you've spent time with me, and I'm sure Nish would agree with this. The, the, there is that... I'm certainly, yes. I'm certainly that You don't guy. walk around fed up with everything. No, but I, but I can lose... I can get annoyed, but... yes. I, I think I know I, how you would react to a lot of things. Yeah. I'd go, oh, Josh is going to like this. Yeah, exactly. He's a monster. <laughs> a monster. <laughs> but I couldn't be that guy the whole time. I'd be a fucking nightmare yeah. to live with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually an intervention. And, um, <laughs> uh, so you were saying, you were telling me before about the, with this incident in the Cambridge. Do you know what's in interesting, actually? Um, just going off on it. Go on, go on. Uh, is when you do um, panel shows, suddenly that's a really interesting kind of... Oh, so I've got to take this character mm -hmm. and I've got to be on... Now I'm in this situation. How does... And it's quite... Di I don't know how to do it yet, really. Yes. Okay. How I'm meant to behave. And I, you get you, better every time. You need to play with others as well. You yeah. need to know how Josh Widdicombe reacts to Frankie Boyle. Yeah, do you? terrified. That, I've never met yeah. him. But, <laughs> but, but that, that kind of chemistry, you need to work out. That's like everyone is doing their clown, their, their yeah. cartoon character. Yeah, exactly. and that's why, say, the people that get really good on panel shows, mm. people like, just people who nail how to adapt to it, to Milton Jones, totally yes. worked out what Milton Jones would do on a panel. Yes. If, if Milton Jones was put in that situation, what would he do? And he's yes. worked that out. Yes. Whereas, I mean, whew, I've had some bad ones. And I can tell you suddenly you don't know who you are. You're yeah. sat there going, I don't know. I don't know whose side to take. I don't oh, yeah, know I don't know what agree I'm with to. or disagree with. And okay. when it goes, you're, you're yourself, but it's, it's really good. Mm. But and that's, that's the a one, whole... That's the it's one a bit that makes it's almost it like TV. a test. <laughs> it's almost like a, stre a stre test of the strength of who you are as a character. Does it stand up to this scrutiny now? Mm. If you put it in this situation. It's quite interesting I talk about it in the third person, isn't it? Because... As if it's not me, but it is, and I don't know. You, does, does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely. You, you, something. I was interested to hear that when you tried doing material on stage that you and Nish had made up, mm. it didn't work. Didn't work. Talk to me about that. Um, I can't remember what we came up with. What was it, Nish? Was it about cherry tomatoes? <laughs> um, which I still think has has, um, uh, and it was about perching. On the side, <laughs> I had this thing which we, we talked about about when you perch on a when you're. A, I've tried it quite a few times. It's never worked. About it, when a sofa's full and you'll perch on the um, arm. Yeah. And you'll always how you'll always say, oh, "I'm fine. I'm fine. I'll perch." Yeah. And 
It's, I thought this is the, and it just didn't really go anywhere or work. And the thing about, and so there was that. And we, doing it on the train, we were like, yeah, of course this works. Because we were riffing off it. And the cherry tomatoes thing about how, when you get in a salad, like a Tesco or whatever salad, yes. MS, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get a full cherry tomato and how uh, difficult it is to eat it, how you have to stab it and then it'll explode in your mouth if you don't stab it first. And it did seem like, it, I don't know, is that right, Nish? Yeah, yeah. And it did seem at the time like this is the, exactly the tone. You can imagine it. And it's exactly the kind of... Because what I really like to talk about is take it down to the real minutiae. That's where it's funniest for me. My favourite comedy, my favourite... Like, I was, you know... Um, my favourite thrill, for want of a better word, of watching comedy is when someone totally nails a real minutiae of... Human experience. Mm -hmm. um, so Sean Walsh is brilliant at that. So um, and it's really exciting because he will um, he will t he will. Th a lot of people have a go at observational comedy, mm -hmm. and it, it's really weird that I think that it's a whipping boy because I think say it's. I don't, it's, so it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to notice a thing that everyone has, everyone has noticed, but they haven't noticed that they've noticed yeah. it. Yeah, and then people go, well, it's obvious. It's not obvious. Yeah, sure. It's really difficult, actually, to, to find something that is in that Venn diagram between too obvious or not uh, too obvious and too, too not tapping into human Have experience. you heard Seinfeld's example about the cliffs? Yeah, jumping so, between the... Yeah, so Seinfeld says a joke is a jump from one cliff to another. And if the two cliffs are close together, if, two if they're too close together, then you make it easily. And if they're too far apart, then you don't make it. And either way, the joke doesn't work. You have to, for the joke to work, you have to just make it. And that's the audience. The, yeah, but it's just... a really useful way to talk about comedy. It's a really useful mm. way to analyse it because you can look at a joke and go... Well, you know, in this, in the problem with this joke is the cliffs are too close together. Yeah. So you can set about moving them apart. So I, I saw Seinfeld when he came, came. Oh, okay. I didn't go to the O2. I saw, I saw him the night before he did the comedy store. Oh, wow. Exactly. Okay. Um, and um, actually, as an aside on that, go that, on, that yeah, was yeah, weird. let's have it. Um, I turned up to watch it because Roisin Conte had texted me and said, Come down to the comedy store. And I happened to be in Leicester Square. And I got there, and Charlotte from the store came up to me and said, Seinfeld's late. Can you go on and fill? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to do ten minutes before oh, Jerry wow. Seinfeld. Wow. Um, but anyway, um, and the mark the mark of the the mark of you as a comic having class is that your poster this year doesn't say opened for Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> Very tempting to a lot of comedians. <laughs> um, but uh, what was I saying? He so he did a joke. He did the thing about weddings, and you're going right on the surface. A comedy snob would go, weddings, boring, no. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's about identifying the thing that other people haven't identified. And if you can find something fresh in a topic that everyone knows, that's surely, that's the best thing, isn't it? Because yeah. if, if you're talking about um, the books of Charles Bukowski, right, then for a start, you're alienating people, yeah. which is... Fine, because obviously other people are excited about that. But um, you want to be careful that you're not talking about that to make yourself look clever. Mm -hmm. um, and I certainly, when I started out, had a real tendency for the first two years to think the nicheness of the topic was where the originality is. 
Okay. But I don't think it is the nicheness of the topic. Because anyone can go, I'm going to do five minutes on Shed 7. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And no one's ever talked about them before. Yeah. And, but it's, oh, I'd love to see it. Um, <laughs> Niche. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, who is going for gold? But, um, <laughs> but um, anyone can choose that. That's mm. not being original mm. because that is, it's also making it easier for yourself because you have the whole palette of everything Shed 7 have ever done. Yes, because no one's touched, touched it on before, it. yeah. But if you're going, I'm going to talk about weddings, then you have to come up with some really good niche little topics on it. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, I just remember one joke that he did where he said about, um, it's a rubbish party because if, if you were to invite all these people to a party at any other time... <laughs> Who's up to your, who's coming to your party? Well, my grand, <laughs> <laughs> your auntie, I haven't seen. And it's, it's a, that's you're just going. Well, that is an amazing. Yes. It's, it's about that left turn that you're not expecting. But yes. you well, go it's with ours, it. isn't it? It's obvious, but it's only obvious because he said it. Yeah, exactly. He's and then people go. It, yeah. Also, there's another thing where Seinfeld, for some reason, if Seinfeld was a British comic who did Live at the Apollo. Mm-hmm everyone would have a go at him like they have a go at McIntyre. Mm. But for some reason, he, he, the people, and I don't, I don't think, I don't think Seinfeld is any better than McIntyre. I think they're both very, I think they're both great. Mm. And, um, for some reason he has, um, I think it's because of his sitcom, clearly, um, a, um, credibility. Yes. The people, people feel like they know him. Because you're watching it going, I bet you, if this wasn't Jerry Seinfeld doing this, all those people that harp on about observational com- comedy being easy would be saying this is easy. Mm-hmm. But that's a bugbear of mine, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about um, Stand Up for the Week, mm. which you are a regular... Uh, yeah, Nish's I mean, favourite a... programme. Um, is it, t- tell me about that. What are you referring to there? Nish just, uh, just loves it. Um, Nish will mock me mercilessly about it. Okay, um, and what, just, that might be a useful way into the topic. Why is that? On, on what well, grounds? I don't know, Nish, why is it? Because <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah. Oh, okay, fine, all right. Um, Start for the week is a really interesting process to do because you've got three days to do a ten-minute set. Mm-hmm. And um, you it's, it's a lot of pressure because... Um, but I've done it 16 episodes now over two series... And it is amazing what you can do. And it does mean that... I think the reason... I, I, I almost had a breakdown in Edinburgh last year. I found it so stressful. Mm-hmm. I had a kind of thousand-yard stare. I had a spot on the end of my nose <laughs> for the whole festival that Verity, uh, who um, my agent, used to have to put makeup on me before the gig. <laughs> and um, it disappeared within 48 hours at the end of the festival. I found it that horrible and stressful. Oh, my God. And um, this year, I'm very relaxed about it. And I think part of that is because I've done stand-up for the week, I know that actually, you know, everything's all right. Everything can, yes. everything will work out if you write. You can write this stuff. And so in the build-up, I was like, this is going to work, so it's so, fine. So do you, do you still suffer ever from 
self from a lack of confidence or oh, self-consciousness. You, you do. So that didn't solve that problem. No, I, mean, I found doing that's... Show Me the Funny writing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's a very tense, similar process. You know, writing like uh, you, this is a, uh, a program which none of you saw, um, which was <laughs> like stand up for the week, <laughs> um, where you had to go and you had to go to a, a specific place like the army, train with the army for two or three days, and then on the Thursday night you had to do a gig about the army to the army, and it, and the rules were which everyone adhered to. You uh, you had to do entirely new material and I, ca- I found as a result the, a very good thing that came out of that process was it made me go oh in my show now oh that bit needs a joke I'll write a joke yeah and, but I still am absolutely crippled I'm better but my, my crippling anxiety is still there yes so like um, you're, oh, like yeah, the skill itself but has I, increased I think, but I you still you worry I think you have to have that um, I think your main drive in well uh, not yours my main drive is um, fear and negativity. Sure. And I think mo- a lot... Fear, of, fear and or fear of... Fear of it going wrong. Yep. Negativity about how shit it is. Mm-hmm. Not, good, not being good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, being about to be found out. Yeah. Everything to come crashing down. There, there that's... And it, I mean, I don't want to bring people down, but, uh, <laughs> but that is, is what drives it's me. It's so easy. Uh, I've talked about this a lot before. Um, to because we are effectively like our peers, people we know, people we've shared lifts with, are the best people in the country and some of the best people in the world at doing the thing we do. Mm. So imagine if you were like a plumber and you had to go to work with the best plumbers all the time. You'd probably be going, oh, I don't know if I should be a plumber. I don't yeah, know yeah, I'm yeah. with it. Oh yeah, it's and but you you get that with everyone. Rod Gilbert wrote about it in the Guardian yesterday. He did. Okay. Um, the you know, if you, for instance, I think John Richardson for me is one of the, the best comedians mm-hmm. there is in the world. Well, not in the world. I don't know anything about outside of Britain. <laughs> I'm, ve- I'm very ang- a refreshingly honest perspective I'm on ve- in the world. There. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very Anglo-centric in my taste. Actually, mm-hmm. is Anglo all of Britain? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anglo's English. Well, all right, then all, all of Britain. I'm very Brito-centric in my tastes. Um, but John John Richardson, for instance. Uh, if you get the chance to see his show, yeah. which he's doing for four nights here, you, did you see it in Mac? Yes. I think that's one of the best stand-up shows I've ever seen. Yeah. But I'm sh- having spent time with John, he thinks he's shit. Yes. Like I think I'm shit. Yes. And he thinks every week that his stuff on stand-up for the week isn't good enough. I'm sure he wouldn't mind. Do you know what I mean? That, sure. And that is just a natural thing that I think all comedians have, and I, th- I think it's a very healthy thing. Yeah. I think if you think you're good... There are, there are comedians out there who think they're good. I'm thinking of one in particular who is very super positive to the extent that you suspect he or she, is a he, has, uh, has read a book on... Oh, yeah. I, I, on if it's the same one... I think he's got a Columbine in him. <laughs> Like, you know, uh, when well someone's maybe, so we'll positive... We'll put some coded reference on the website <laughs> later on to what, what we're talking about. Uh, when someone's so positive, you think, that is complete bullshit. Yes, You're okay. going to snap. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> we'll edit it's, that it's out. It stayed dark. It stayed dark. We haven't lightened the total. But I, I do think, like, negativity is a very good way of... Um, Yes, Sarah Pascoe on, uh, on Friday on this show She's was talking negative. about how... <laughs> She's very positive in some ways, but she was talking about how uh, every time she doesn't want to get up and do something or doesn't want to get her head down and work, she thinks of a specific person who bullied her or yeah, out of several people who bullied her or were mean to her or said, you can't do it, and she goes to work to, to spite that person. 
That's an unhealthy way to live. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe. And, and Teller from Penn and Teller, he's, he, he said a thing online about how actually negativity can be a very positive force for work because we've all, you know, I'm not saying that there is necessarily truth to the tears of the clown stereotype. I, I had this discussion recently. Um, if you're in a happy... I'm now in quite a happy place in my life, mm-hmm. which I've not been since I did stand-up. And um, what drives you then is... Um, a different thing, which is, I want to get better at this so that I don't have to go and yes do this every night driving yes. everywhere. I want to be so good that you spend I want to be all your so time so good that I'm doing it on my terms. You spend all your time getting onto the circuit. Watson told Mark Watson told me this when I was very new. He said you spend all this time trying to get onto the circuit and get a regular income from gigging. And as soon as you do, the second you do, you go, how can I get off this? Yeah, there's yeah. always that. You go open mic, and do you know what? All the people that really enjoyed open mic. I, I never enjoyed open mic. It's mm-hmm. absurd. You turn up... That means working for free. Oh, that's... That's not why I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it because the gigs... <laughs> no, gig, no, 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 no. I just I, something yeah, yeah. won't know the term. The gigs... So you start with these gigs, right? And they're in a pub in London and there's eight people there and there's 15 acts doing five minutes each and it's compared by someone who <laughs> goes unhinged. on and on. Yeah. yeah, and it's unhinged and it goes on till... <laughs> And it goes on till midnight, and and you it, have to do it. And you There's have to no do other it. way to and be yeah, a comedian. But I always thought I am trying to get better and get mm. beyond this. Mm-hmm. And um, and you make friends. There, there are positive aspects to it as well. Yeah, you all go oh, through it yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's, you've got to do it. It's great. But um, you are doing it to get on the circuit. Yes. And then I've got onto the circuit, and um, then you. Yeah. The next thing is I've got to get off the circuit. Mm. And then you do Edinburgh, or I don't, maybe not, but certainly for me, I do Edinburgh so that I, because I don't want to do Edinburgh. I, yes. I can't handle being here for a month. It does my head in. I like my house. Yes. And um, I don't like, I like to be in my house. And so I'm doing Edinburgh in the hope that I can do Edinburgh well enough that then I can maybe do a week in Edinburgh. Yeah. And do it on my terms. And every time there's always that next step. And I, I, that's the realisation with comedy. There's that dreadful moment when you realise there isn't an end. Yeah. There isn't a, a, a land of milk and honey. Do you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I've, I've worked you, you're now... Gonna, you're trying to try and get big enough so that you can yeah. stop. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've worked now with a lot of the main comics in various ways. Yeah. So, for instance, I've worked... I've gigged with Michael McIntyre. Mm-hmm. He's still nervous... He's not going, this is a bloody... I've made it. Yeah, I can sit back and relax and do the O2 for 12 nights. He's going, I've got to do the O2. This has got to be good. Mm-hmm. And so there's, all, there's never an end game. Mm. Does that... Absolutely, you have to is set your own goals. Is that the bleakest thing though, you've ever heard? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the way to survive that is you have to, and I'm not very good at doing this myself, but I think it, surely there has to be a way to survive it. And I think the way to survive it is to set yourself achievable, you know, high but realistic goals, things that you want but don't need to make you happy, mm. and make those things happen. And I, you seem to be doing that. Yeah, you've just got to, I mean, maybe it's luck more than judgment, but you've just got to try and do those things to i mean if that also that to make it very clear that's not to say that there's anything wrong with people who enjoy the yeah there are people sure. there are hobbyists uh, that no. will do open mic and that is great and there are people that love coming me. to the festival every yeah year, there are people yeah, that absolutely. love edinburgh yeah um but i i i can't deal with it psychologically so i have mm-hmm. to 
and there are people that love doing the Friday and Saturday night clubs, but I find it stressful. Mm-hmm. And so um, you have to play your own game in that sense, don't you? Mm. Let's, if I can just yeah. cut you off slightly, we've only got about 15 minutes left. Mm. This has flown by. I'd like to talk to you about writing okay. specifically. Um, you brought a notebook with you, and then you revealed to me it's a notebook that you have faked up because you didn't bring your real notebook. Well, I forgot to bring my notebook to Edinburgh because obviously okay. I thought the show's written. Yes. Um, so I, I got a new notebook, and then um, I can't write in Edinburgh. Yeah. So um, I thought, oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. This will be a good exercise. I'll uh, just write a new bit of material that I can show Stuart, but it's, I'm, it I didn't couldn't work. do it. <laughs> right, okay, but well, show us what you did get. But what, basically, it shows the process do I'll do. Is, exactly. Say you get a subject matter. So, for instance, I've chosen mistletoe uh, as the subject matter, which I'm sure Nish would agree is... Um, classic Whittacombe. Classic Whittacombe. <laughs> um, the reason I've chosen that is I had a dream that Steve Bennett had written in a review, we want to see Whittacombe talk about things like mistletoe. And I thought... <laughs> Quite interesting. This is wonderful. Quite if you do it and it becomes part of your next I, show, I, 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 Steve reviews I, you know it, what? he's heard this, it all becomes in a sort of vortex. We've all had these situations where um, you've, you've dreamt, well, maybe not, but you dream a joke and you think, fucking yeah, awesome, yeah, and then yeah, you wake yeah, up absolutely. and it, it's shit. Yeah. But that's, actually, I woke up and I thought, yeah, I reckon I could write about mistletoe. Yeah, yeah that could, that's quite an interesting area. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, I start, classic spider diagram I mm-hmm. think there's nothing I like a spider diagram mm-hmm. um, and then you just think of anything off it and then um, I'll tend to try so I'll, I'll tend to try something as a very very shortened version of it okay so I'll drop it in in a gig I'll, throughout the year every gig you sh- I should well, in my view you should be trying stuff every gig yes unless it's an important gig yes but um, for instance, if I'm doing the 99 Club in London for on a Tuesday night mm-hmm. for sixty pounds, mm-hmm. to lose my Tuesday night, it has to. You've got to make something I've got more to than sixty move pounds. Forward you? as got a to, comedian, yeah. Otherwise, there's, it's I. You know, I'd just try and otherwise I'd work in a bar mm-hmm. for sixty quid. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If mm-hmm. I'm going to go that far, I've got to try and improve my set every time I do it. And try something. So I just do mistletoe off, say, I've got a bit about buttercups, for instance, and shining them under another child's chin. I could easily go, right, well, tonight I'll do that buttercup bit, and then I'll just go, I'll just segue into the mistletoe bit, try two jokes, and you get an instant feel as to whether it's something the audience will get on board with and want you to talk about. And if you get a positive, then you can go back and you can build it up Mm -hmm. and try and make it bigger and slowly bigger. And um, what I tend to do is I'll, I'll write it out like this, which obviously isn't very good for a podcast, is it? But um, so you'll have... I write. I never write full swathes of prose mm-hmm. because I don't think that identifies where the punchlines are. That's a really good point. That's a trap I get caught in yeah. a lot is writing out, you know, typing, in fact. So, and just while we're on the subject, you, you write in a notebook. Do you ever type? Do you ever... No, nah, I, I, okay. I don't. I don't really want... I think the internet is too distracting. Yes, okay. And I think um, it's just more more romantic, isn't it, to do it yeah. in the uh, And um, so what I'll do, because you get the feel for the punchlines, you'll go say, the, maybe a better example is to use something I've got, right? So mm-hmm. let's take this buttercup sure. bit. Okay, okay, so you go, 
you've got the line in, which is when you're a child, um, obviously this isn't going to be funny in context, so don't laugh politely. Um, when, when you're a child, you're told, you're told these things that are myths, like if you hold a buttercup underneath another child's chin, it reflects back. And then I'll do an arrow off it. This is the first punchline. So you go, correct me if I'm wrong, if you're that close to them, just ask. Right. <laughs> and and it, to determine whether yeah, they like butter. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. And gotcha. then you go, no one's keeping that information to themselves. And then you'll do an act out. So that's like one punchline, just mm -hmm. ask. Act out, second punchline. Mm -hmm. And that, so it's like a string. And then you'll go... And by act out, so again, terminology. Oh, it's you like um, you'll play out the situation. It's a very easy way. You should, I, also, by doing... I'll do an arrow down and along like that. Does that... Mm -hmm. Is that clear? Um, and then you can see also there where you can add sort of things that aren't long enough strings. So you think there's probably more punchlines. I'll always try and get as many punchlines in the string as possible. Yeah, okay. Because to layer it, it gets... That's fascinating structurally because you, absolutely, as you say, you can see... I, this has only really got two jokes in it. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. you can see very quickly if you go ding, 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 yeah. ding. Yeah, that's so you'll go uh, line one joke, two joke, and then you might go back to it and kind of start another string because it's quite easy to do that because mm -hmm. that's how chat goes. So you'd go um, buttercup, ask them, act out, and then I'll do a thing. No one's being interrogated about whether they like. No one's keeping that information to themselves. Yeah, someone being interrogated at Guantanamo Bay. Right, act out. Act out. Yeah. And there's three jokes off that. So there's a joke where you'll go, um, he's not cracking, fetch the buttercup. And then I'll go, don't worry. Uh, he's going, no, we've got him tied down with a daisy chain. Yeah. And then you go, how long has he been here? Let me just check by blowing the seeds off this dandelion. So you've yeah. got these e <laughs> yeah, extra sure. topper jokes. And when yeah. you layer them, it's really satisfying. Yes. But also, by doing it with arrows and having it... And you only need a... You, you wouldn't write, let me just check by... Getting, you just write arrow, dandelion. Yes. Because you should... By speaking it, you'll find the correct phrasing. Um, a lot of people think I write quite specifically phrasing-wise. Mm. But I don't, really. I'll just... But you write... It's I'll, almost I'll, like I'll, it's I, the structure that's specific. Yeah, and then you should find the right phrasing by performing it, because... Because I, I tell you what I don't like is when you hear... I, the reason, for instance... I mean, I, I think Stuart Lee's brilliant. But, I, for instance, the reason I prefer John Richardson to Stuart Lee mm -hmm. as an experience of watching is I think John Richardson is as good a writer, but he doesn't flaunt it. And I don't... Okay. I, I really like acts that you go... This feels so natural and conversational. There doesn't feel like there's any artifice. I don't want to feel like it's written. I yeah, want you to don't feel like, like having the working out exposed. Yeah, that, there's a bit of a vogue, isn't there, for showing yeah, this is yeah. the structure. But even, yeah, definitely, even that, and that, you certainly get that a lot on the open mic circuit. Yes, yes, um, well, that's, that's come up on the podcast several times yeah. about how people will say things like that deserve more, or, yeah. you know, they'll sort of expose the workings out, but it's quite an immature thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. Because, it's, because everyone's doing it for a start. I, 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 th I want it to feel completely... Like, uh, I grinds my teeth to powder whenever anyone kind of goes, oh, that was a callback. Yeah, because you're, you're just, just going... that's, that's an industry bit of terminology, which you wouldn't even necessarily understand what it meant. And seeing someone pointing yeah. it out is very frustrating. Yeah, exactly. You just, it's, it, do you know what it is, I think? I think it all comes out of... Because particularly in the last five years, stand-up's become a bit um, shiny floor, suit, mm -hmm. uh, for want of a better word, square. Mm -hmm. So I think there's almost an embarrassment yes. amongst yes, young the, people to do stand-up because it's... So, so they will... Alternative um, has now become mainstream yeah, yeah. and now new alternative so is seizing on things like... There's this need to 
prove that you aren't a smiley person off the TV, which, you know, you, fair enough. But um, I think that a lot of that dissection of it comes of trying to go, no, I'm not like these guys. Mm. I'm not mm. like John Bishop or whoever. Sure. Which I don't really understand why you do that, but fair enough. But um, where was I? I can't remember what I was saying. So uh, lines coming off them, act out. We were looking at the yeah, yeah. One. So you just do, oh no, that's what I was saying. I will try and get the phrasing by saying it on stage because um, then it feels more natural, mm-hmm. and I like I like it to feel like a natural conversation that's really funny rather yeah. than. I think it's really bad when someone will flaunt their writing and have... I mean, Dylan Moran's a good example of someone who... I don't know how he writes, obviously, but obviously he's got very vivid and um, verbose. But it still feels natural. At no point do you go, he's written this and You don't get it. a visual picture of him sitting working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't want that. I want it no. to feel like this is a man talking about a subject. Mm. Um, I'm just going to repeat that for the sake of the yeah, recording. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was a question about how you remember... Uh, if you don't have a great memory, what sort of techniques do you use to remember 50 minutes worth of stuff? Um, I, I don't use any kind of um, memory techniques, um, but just through previewing it um, a lot, I'll, I'll preview with notes, and then the notes will get more and more um, sh- shorter and just be terms. And it is it's quite boringly. I don't do it. I'm not a walk-around-the-house-rehearsing kind of guy. Okay. Um, and I know I should be, because... That would make me a much better comedian. Every time but I find actually, it really difficult. It's to so do. weird and difficult to do a gig in your room to no one. But every time when I've done that during the day before a preview, I've gone on to have a much better preview. I know. Uh, I, it, it does my head in that it's I won't too do weird. It. It's just and really... do you know what? Every year, every September, I'll go right this year. That's yeah. But what I'm going to do and. I don't know. I just can't do it. I, I, but you don't have you don't have mnemonic techniques. Or no, I don't. Like no, you just you end up. You, so you start with a bit, and they'll be smaller, and then you'll if you bolt them together, you just so at the end you go cocoa pops, then you'll know that bit. Yeah, but if it's, it's just, conversational enough, it will flow. Yeah, it does just flow, and I I don't know. There's no real s- skills I could um, mm. point to <clears throat> other than. Um, just gig a lot mm. and you will remember it and mm. you, you just doing bits until it's starting to go wrong then you dap out and then it will just build yeah but that's why I couldn't write a show in July some people can some people can it. do that yeah yeah knock it together yeah. I have to do it throughout the year uh, anyone else I hope that answers your question um so you've been 18 months on the open mic circuit and the idea of sitting down and doing the writing I th- sure. I th- That's not necessarily right or wrong. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely say that I think the worst um, thing people do when they're giving tips on comedy is mm-hmm. to presume that their way is the right way because mm-hmm. um, this is the way. That's the way I work. But um, genuinely, you just have that everyone will work in a different way. There's, there's, and you have to just try and work out what is the best way for you to work because there's no way that yes. you can. Um, uh, it's quite difficult to pick up working methods from other people. I think yeah. it's just trial and error. I, I'm sure at one point I was hoping that this series of podcasts and yeah, would, create a definitive would turn me way. into a like I could form up into a giant robot made out of yeah, 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 yeah. Techniques doesn't doesn't. No, really I don't. I genuinely can't think of many people who've given me 
told me about their working methods and I've implemented them. Yes. I think you just kind of evolve yourself and that's, that's a real... It's kind of a disappointing fudge of an answer because the, the fact is, that this is one of the things you find is there's no secrets. Yeah. There's no... The, the top people don't know anything. No, they just work they, they really just hard. They just work really hard. And so um, there's nothing like, oh... By the way, yeah. when you get your first paid twenty, when you're eleven, we, we take you inside pay me and tell you twenty thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. and um, you just on the subject mm. of hard work and discipline. I heard a rumor from yeah, your know. housemate Tom Crane that you wrote for eight hours a yeah, day. Yeah, that's rubbish. Where does uh, that come he, from? I've been well, saying that almost every quite episode. Lazy. Okay. He's not lazy, but he works in a different way to me. Yeah, so he will work on a um, on a laptop open with his emails open okay. on Facebook, sure. half-working kind of way. I have to kind of sit at a table. But do you do a certain number of hours a day? Do I, you... I, no, well, it depends, obviously. If I have a day where I haven't got to do anything, and it's a Monday to Friday, mm-hmm. then I will get up and I will try and work from 10, half 10, mm-hmm. till lunch, mm-hmm. and... <laughs> so the people with real jobs there laughing at you. <laughs> and then lunch will invariably make me tired. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a killer, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I need to eat more soup and less carbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carbs, carbs are a real do you, negative. Do you do any other work? Do you do any admin? Just in a typical one of Not those days? That, see, that I do that. Try and do... if. Well, I've got a lot less admin since I've got an agent, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, she'll do a lot of my admin for me. Flo, she'll, like... There'll be phone calls, but mm. I don't have to invoice. I don't have mm-hmm. to book my own life. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedians Comedian Podcast. Diary. Tom, for instance, has to book his own live diary, and I think... It's stuff like that. Do you know what? The best thing that happened to me about getting an agent was... And everyone goes on and on about... When you're on the open mic circuit, you think that's the the key to being great, is to have an agent. It's sure. rubbish. That's not the key at all. What? Um, and people just want an agent so they can say they've got an agent. Mm-hmm. But And so the people will sign to these companies that won't do anything for you. But what I like about the situation I've got is they'll do everything for me. Um, so they'll, you know, they'll book the hotel, they'll mm-hmm. tell me, they'll do the diary, they'll invoice, I'll get the So you money. don't need to think about so anything apart just from writing about, jokes. And they've never, ever given me a note or a tip on my writing. Yeah. It's a very good line there, mm. that business, that's mm. creativity. And so that buys me a lot of time because I think if I was booking my own live diary, that would, it's a tiring thing, it, that takes it out of you. You feel like it's, you've done a. You feel like you've done a day's work. It's an opportunity for distractions as yeah, well, isn't yeah. it? You've you got go, to be well, online emailing. I then. could write that, but maybe I should send off a few emails. Yeah, and yeah, that is tricky. So it's so it's funny. In so fact, I've, just, I've got lucky in that sense. One of the ways in which being an open spot is harder sometimes is you've got to fit it around the rest of your life. And you've got a job. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Uh, we've got time. I think we'll do one last question, then I think we're going to get kicked out of the room. So last question there, and I'll repeat it. If you hated the open yeah. mic circuit so much, what was your motivation for sticking with it? The, I hated working in office more. And, uh, <laughs> but the, do you know what? The main motivation was um, I started in 2008, January 2008, and I got off to quite a good start for like mm. six to eight months, and then I came to Edinburgh. 
and had a terrible month and lost my confidence completely. Mm-hmm. And I might have quit, but um, I also split up with my girlfriend of six years. Mm-hmm. And I, mainly because I'd done too much comedy, I think. Common problem. And I thought, well, I can't lose that and then not come out of it as a comedian. So I've got to see this through <laughs> to the bitter end. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I've lost everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah. If that's, to, to be honest, split up with your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, uh, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. Thank mm, you very no much, worries. Josh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please thank Mr. Josh Whittacombe. So that was Josh. As I said, I thought that was a really invigorating uh, conversation. I, I really got a, a lot of respect for Josh and uh, and thanks very much to him for coming on the show. Um, next episode will be Addy van der Borg. That will be coming out next Wednesday. And so do, if you've got any Australian suggestions, I'm going to start building a list now of people in the Southern Hemisphere that I'd like to interview when I'm over there next year. Um, and also thanks to Nish Kumar, who turned up uh, briefly in that episode. He's not an impressionist, um, but uh, he could do a mean Josh Whittacombe. Uh, Nish does his own uh, comedy work. He's a fabulous comic in his own right, and I'm going to be getting him on the show, I think, in January next year, maybe first week of January he's booked in. Um, in the meantime, you can follow him at Mr. Nish Kumar. That's M-R-N-I-S-H-K-U-M-A-R. And, uh, and that's, all the, that's all the stuff for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. As ever, I hope you get either to your gigs or back home from your gigs safely, or if you're staying up all night making cakes, as, uh, as one listener tweeted me, um, then, uh, then I hope, you've, uh, I hope your, your dough has risen. Does dough, cakes aren't made of dough, for Christ's sake. Bye. I mean, who is at the Olympics? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.